All of God's people say, Amen. Amen. I love to sing that song. I love to hear you singing it even more. To hear others, my brothers and sisters, singing and rejoicing is does my heart really, really good. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 6. The book of Romans, chapter 6. I felt like that this would be appropriate today as we have witnessed the baptism of a new believer in Christ. It's a joy and a privilege for me to be able to participate in that today and and to be a witness of it. I watched as Jeff came in and I've known him for some time, but as we began to talk and look through scriptures together and watched his heart yield to God and submission to Christ. And I'm thankful for that. And I hope you'll pray for him as he begins to walk with the Lord and lift him up in prayer and encourage him every way that you can, as you do one another. I'm sure you found it by now. Romans chapter 6. We're going to read the first 14 verses together. And then we will pray again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it. In the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive for the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law. But under grace. Let's pray. Father as we come to you this morning. We thank you for your sweet presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news that although we are wretched sinners and we deserve eternal separation from your goodness in the lake of fire, oh God, that you in mercy and grace and love have stretched forth your goodness in the person of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we approach you this morning through his blood and righteousness that we could ask you today to come and to help us 
in this place. Lord, we need you. We need you to speak to us through your word, by your spirit. And Father, we pray that you would touch every heart and every mind and every life. Walk among us and work among us in a very special way today. Opening blinded eyes, unstopping deaf ears and softening stony hearts. That we may see and we may hear and we may have hearts to respond to your word. To be changed and, and transformed into the very image of Christ. So help us Lord we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Have you ever considered this morning how you might improve your baptism? Very odd question, isn't it? I remember reading a blog article about a year ago by David Mathis, and he had that as the title, and it struck my attention. How do you improve your baptism? Baptism, as we know, is a one-time event that the believer experiences, that the new believer experiences. And so how can you improve the baptism? Let me come back to that in just a moment. We know that baptism is by the authority of Jesus Christ who commanded us to baptize in the Great Commission. He told us that we were to go and to make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28. Preach the gospel, Mark says, to every creature. And all that repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ were to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we do this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And as we baptize the new believer, we are identifying ourselves with the Trinity, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We belong to the Father, we were saved by the Son, and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We identify with our God, the Trinity. And as we baptize them in the name, if you go back to the book of Acts in chapter 2, chapter 10, chapter 19, you find instances where it says that they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And what they meant by that, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't that it was a formula of words, but it was the authority in which they did the action. In other words, as we baptized Brother Jeff this morning, we did that not in the authority of ourselves. Not in my authority or in the authority of this church, but based upon the authority of Jesus Christ. The one who bled and died and rose again. Based on his authority, we baptize in his name as he instructed and commanded us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's much like we pray in Jesus' name. Why do we do that? Well, we pray in Jesus' name because we are approaching God on the basis of what Christ has done. We don't come to God on the basis of what we've done. It's not on the basis of what we've accomplished. It's not on personal goodness or merits of personal righteousness that we approach the Father in prayer. But recognizing His holiness and our sinfulness, we pray in the name of Jesus because we recognize before Him that it is only through and by the perfect righteous life of Jesus Christ and the shed blood on the cross of Calvary that we can pray and be heard. Be heard by a precious friend and a powerful God who can answer prayer and who can accept our prayers on the basis of His Son.
In Jesus' name we pray. Accept this prayer. Accept our praise, God. Answer these petitions, Father. For Jesus' sake. That's why we pray in his name. And that's why we baptize people in the authority of Jesus Christ. As he commanded us to do. And so it's only through the name of Jesus and through the person and work of Jesus that we stand before God justified, redeemed, accepted in the beloved. I came across one time a very clear doctrinal summary of the doctrine of baptism. And I want to share it with you this morning. And every phrase of it could be unpacked, but we have very limited time to do it. So let this really set with you what we're doing, because for Jeff's sake and for our sakes today, we need to understand what baptism is, what it symbolizes, what it stands for, what it does and what it doesn't do. Because to the degree that you understand the biblical doctrine of baptism, that is The degree to which you will benefit from the experience. See what I mean? So you can be baptized today. But if you don't know what it means. Then it's not going to benefit you the way that the scriptures. The way that God intended for you to benefit. The statement goes like this. We believe that baptism is an an ordinance of the Lord. It's one that Jesus himself. The Lord of his church. Placed in his church. And instructed us to do it. We believe that it is an ordinance of the Lord. By which those who have repented. Those who have turned away from their sins. Have come to faith. Express their union with Christ. And you see that right there in our text this morning. Romans chapter 6. He says therefore we are buried with him. In verse 4. By baptism into death. We are brought into this partnership verse 3 says know you not that so many of us as were baptized into jesus christ so the the way that we give expression of our union with christ is in baptism somebody says what about walking up the aisle well that's more american than it is biblical (laughs) nothing wrong with it but the way they profess faith and the way that we seal that That deal by the authority of Jesus is when you're baptized. That is your profession that you have been buried with Christ. That the old man of unbelief, the old man of rebellion against God has died with Christ on the cross. And that the new man of faith has risen with Christ to walk in newness of life. So it is those who have repented and come to faith. They express their union with Christ in his death and resurrection. By being immersed in water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is a sign of belonging to the new people of God. The true Israel. And an emblem of burial and cleansing. So it is a sign. That you belong to the people of God. The covenant people of God. The covenant people of God belong to God. And that is a seal and a symbol. Much like when you get married. 
and you put that ring on your finger, the ring itself is not what it signifies. That's the way baptism is. Baptism is a symbol. It is an expression of faith. It is the way in which we express the reality of our union with Christ. That Christ has come in and we have died to sin and we've been raised to walk in newness of life. And that is symbolized as we immerse the individual in the water, bring them out of the water, representing that resurrection to walk in newness of life. And it is an emblem of burial and also of cleansing, signifying the death of the old life and unbelief and purification from the pollution of sin. A lot in that little statement, isn't there? And it's all significant to understand so that when we look back on our baptisms through the years, we can benefit from it. So let's go back and answer that question. How can we improve our baptism? Well, the question is really old. It is the 167th question of the Westminster Larger Catechism. How is baptism to be improved by us? And I want you to listen to the answer. The needful but much neglected duty of improving our baptism is to be performed by us all our life long. And this is going to be good because if you're like me, I've never thought of that question before. I remember my baptism just like today. I remember the joy of it. Do you? All our life long, especially in times of temptation. And that reminds me of Romans chapter 6. Why does Paul write this to the church at Rome? Why does he say that we've been united to Christ in his death and therefore sin has no more dominion over us? And that we're not to yield our members to sin and unrighteousness, but we're to yield our members to God as members of righteousness. Why would he do that? Because in the time of temptation, it's going to become important to remember who you are in Christ. One of the ways that you're going to overcome sin and defeat those tendencies and inclinations in your heart toward rebellion is to remember who you are. And I think that's what they're saying in this answer. When you're present, when, when we are present at the administration of it, with others. So someone else is being baptized. And this is how. By serious and thankful consideration of the nature of it. And of the ends for which Christ instituted it. So what is the nature of it? Why did he institute it? Prayerfully contemplate and meditate upon that. The privileges and the benefits conferred and sealed thereby. And our solemn vow made therein by being humbled for our sinful defilement, our falling short of and walking contrary to the grace of baptism and our engagements by growing up to assurance of pardon of sin and of all other blessings sealed to us in that sacrament by drawing strength from the death and resurrection of Christ into whom we are baptized for the mortifying, that means putting to death, of sin and quickening of grace and by endeavoring to live by faith, to have our conversation in holiness and righteousness 
as those that have therein given up their names to Christ and to walk in brotherly love as being baptized by the Spirit into the one body. That's good. How do you improve your baptism? Well, you can't go back and improve the water. That was pretty warm. I've been in some cold water before. You can't go back and improve the quality uh, or the character of the baptizer. You can't go back and change who was there present at the time. You can't change the hymn that was sung. You can't change anything about that in the physical. But according to this answer, and it is a good one, the way that we are to improve our baptism is that whenever we are in the presence of someone being baptized, or whenever we have chance and opportunity in our lives to let our minds at a point of temptation, they say, to wander back to that time of baptism and recognize what is the nature of it. You see how that could help you in a time of temptation? You see how that that's exactly what Paul is telling them to do. Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. Consider, contemplate, think about who you are in Christ. Think about the reality that you have been brought into a mysterious, glorious union with God the Son. Think about who you are. You have been one who has died to sin and been made alive to righteousness. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer therein? Can you see how that can benefit you in the time of temptation? Can you see how when someone is being baptized, your mind can wander back to the nature of it? And the reason that Christ put it in the church so that every time we see it, we can think about the work of the cross. We can think about Jesus Christ and what he did when he died on that cross and arose from the grave and sent out his spirit and sent out his gospel and said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. He calls us to come. He's the bread of life and he is the water of life and he is the light of life. And we can consider that it was on the cross through his death, through his burial and through his resurrection that we have life. And we have cleansing from sin. And we have victory over sin in our lives. How do you overcome sin? He says, verse 11, likewise, this is the reality. You're not, you're not a slave to sin anymore. Know who you are. In the hour of temptation, you look at that temptation and by the grace of God and the spirit of God, you say, hey, wait a minute. I'm a child of the king. Likewise, verse 11, reckon. You didn't know there was a West Virginia word in the Bible, did you? There it is. Reckon yourselves dead indeed into sin and alive into righteousness unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we look back at baptism, when we contemplate upon the nature of it, when we consider the ends for which Christ instituted it, when we consider the privileges and the benefits that are conveyed and sealed therein, we're given, I believe, a fresh dose 
of the grace of God to resist temptation and to live and to walk in newness of life. Isn't that great? I can't wait to have another baptism because we can do this. You know, my baptism and your baptism doesn't mean, and I never noticed this. In my early Christian life, I went to Romans chapter 6 more than any other chapter in the Bible. I constantly seem to be in the early days in, in Romans chapter 6 just feasting off of that. And I never paid attention to the fact that what he was doing was he was telling us to do what this answer to this 167th question is in the catechism to contemplate and to consider it. That the blessings that are ours in Christ were sealed by that ring of baptism placed on our fingers as we were dipped into the water and immersed in the water and brought out again. In other words, bringing to mind our baptism is a powerful way of bringing ourselves back to the gospel that is visually expressed in it. Calling our minds to our own baptisms. When we remember not just the experience but the significance. And pointing to what Jesus has accomplished for us. And the benefits that he gave to those who believe. It is a profound reality. That as believers we should prayerfully and often consider. You remember yours? What did it mean? Why did Christ put it in the church? What benefits were sealed to you and expressed through that experience? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the experience of baptism. Thank you for placing it in the church as a visual expression of the new believer's union with Christ. As an expression of their cleansing from sin and an expression of their victory over death. Through Jesus Christ, we had the victory over death. We have the victory over sin and Satan. We have the victory to walk in newness of life. We're no longer slaves of sin, but we've been transformed into children of the great King. And God, when we face temptation today, when we go through trials and difficulties, God, as we get up in the morning and go about our day and seek to honor you, remind us of the significance of that beautiful, mysterious reality of our union with Christ. And by your Spirit, grant us afresh and anew to rejoice in it. And Father, we pray that if there be one here that has not stepped out turning away from sin and trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that today you would give them, grant them repentance, grant them faith to believe, and give them courage to step out and say, for me and my house, 
I will serve the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.